This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program is pre-recorded. There are so many choices when it comes to selecting the right financial institution. Start with the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. We're right here in your city. We're also the official credit union of Temple University, and anyone who lives, works, worships, and studies in Philadelphia can open an account with convenient locations throughout our city of brotherly love. Also online at pfcu.com with free online and mobile banking. We're not here for our profit, here for yours. Federally insured by NCUA. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. An Odyssey station. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. This is Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. It's good news in real estate. If you're a homeowner, if you're selling a home, or perhaps purchasing a home or vacation property, welcome to our home. It's good news in real estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Your hosts for the next radio hour, the mortgage mom, Deanne Kitsaris, along with real estate veteran and owner-operator of the Philadelphia Real Estate Class. Mark Cumberland. Your real estate education starts right now. It's good news in real estate. Presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Good afternoon. Get ready to laugh and learn here on Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'm Mark Cumberland along with my co-host, the mortgage mom, Deanne Katsaris. How are you, Deanne? I'm doing fabulous, Mark. Just fabulous. Fabulous? Fabulous. Sound like you're on the move to me. I am always on the move. <laughs> Moving and shaking is what we're doing. <laughs> That's right. So we're excited to be talking to you every Saturday at 1 o'clock here on WPHD Talk Radio 1210. If you want to ask us any questions about mortgages, commercial, residential real estate, give us a call. My number is 267-266-5501. What's your number, Dan? My number is 609-605-7153. And we're every week to answer your questions, questions, keep you informed, help in any way. You can listen to this show and past shows at our webpage, goodnewsinrealestate.com or at WPHT's website. So what's coming up today, Deanne? Coming up on today's show, Mark, we have the market report. Yes. We have our business tips with Asking Dr. A. Yes. And of course, we have Mark's funny story. Got one for you. And we have our mortgage mom topic. Which is what? Finally, some great news from FHA. Oh, FHA. You are on an <laughs> FHA kick, man. I, well, I don't know if you're going to call it a kick, but it's, yeah. Anyway, you'll, you'll see with my topic. All right. But Mark, we have questions today. Um, what is the storm water tax on my water bill in Philadelphia? And what oh, is it for? That's a good one. Uh, that's going to be a rant, I can tell. There are, <laughs> are there a lot of foreclosures coming due to the COVID virus? The next question is, what is the hottest neighborhood to buy in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania? Cool. And our, our next question is, is it harder to refinance a commercial property than a refinance property? I mean, than a residential property. <laughs> That's a good question, too. All right. The next question is, why am I getting so many postcards and flyers about selling my house? <laughs> and Mark, today we have our topic of the day. And which but first, is not that one. Which is why I'm not saying it. So if you would yeah. like to let us know what the topic of the day is, that'd yeah, be great. The topic of the day is three real estate myths you need to stop believing. 
three real estate myths you need to stop believing. Yes. I know what one of them is. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) All right. But first, give us your motivational quote. And the motivational quote is, knowing is not enough, we must apply. Willing is not enough, we must do. I like it. I like it. So you can have some knowledge, but you got to do something with it. And you got to make yourself make that first move. You know? (laughs) That's a song. So where are we at? That's a song. That could be a possible song. (laughs) All right. So, Mark, we are up to the market report. And I got one. And here is the bell. So the National Association of Realtors, a very unbiased group, says the current state of the housing market is absolutely dire. The consequences of a housing shortage 30 years in the making. According to the lobbying group, construction of long-term housing fell from 5.5 million units short of historical levels over the past 30 years. We've been talking about this for a couple of years. NAR is calling for a major national commitment to build more housing for all types of expanding and and start cutting a lot of the restrictions, the barriers and the red tape and all the stuff from the municipalities to keep things moving. It also uh, highlighted some of the chronic shortages of available and available homes the nation's population needs. And from 1968 to 2000, the total stock of U.S. housing grew at an average of 1.7% per year. In the past 20 years, the U.S. stock has grown average 1%. And recently, it only grew 0.7% in the last decade. So we've been talking about this for a bunch of years because I, I used to always tell you they used to build a million houses a year. And then they were stuck right. at like four or five ha- hundred thousand for like the past four or five years. And then, then I think the last year of the last administration, they got up to like six or seven hundred thousand. And now it's dropped down again. And because we talked a little bit about that last week, like the lumber industry and everybody else thought there was going to be this big slowdown. So they slowed down. So then lumber went up and all, all the things together. So well, anyway. They just showed on the news yesterday where they had this this couple that bought this big, beautiful, new construction home, and they finally settled, and you they took a tour of the backyard, and they're missing pavers, they're missing the concrete, they're missing, you know, um, the, the kitchen, they were building an outside kitchen, and they've been waiting 10 weeks for these materials to be delivered, and they said it's probably going to take another 10 weeks. Yeah, because it's not just lumber. It's everything. It's all kinds of it's all right. kinds of building materials that they're behind on. But there are other things going on. So un- there's an under underlying inflation trend that could develop due to expectations or rising persistent labor market tightness. There's a risk of a wage spiral. If this occurs, they believe it may lead to a substantial jump in long-term interest rates. They're, you know, these, this, is all, this is all the experts, the economists. And, you know, most of the time, they don't get it right. But they all have opinions. You know, well, you can get a hundred of these guys in the same room and you'll get a hundred opinions. And you know what opinions are like. But yeah, the other part of that is, I mean, they're saying that the interest rates aren't going to go up until 2023. We're in 2021. 
We don't even have to bring this up yet because people are starting to panic and they don't realize that it's two years away. I know. And and first of all, they don't even know if that's going to happen. Right. A lot's going to depend on H.R. 1 with this Biden bill if that thing goes through. Because that's going to cause a lot. That's the biggest tax increase of all time ever in history. In the history, and, correct. And a lot of people don't understand that tax, what that'll do to agriculture and everything else. I hope. So I hope they... Uh, you should call your congressman and senator and tell them to vote no on that bill because you don't want a 39.6% capital gains tax. You don't want the death tax. You don't want any of that stuff. You don't want a, a 12% business increase tax. Tell them to vote no on that. I, I, I'm hoping it doesn't pass. But anyway, existing home sales in eight, back in April pulled back by 2.7% just because of lack of inventory mostly um, all this combined lack of uh, new listings has led us you know, to a slower market so until we start building back this inventory we're going to be in this situation for a while and the builders are so far behind and the same with the car industry you can't even buy a car you know, because you can't get a chip so, Adam, what I get out of this whole report is a lot of speculation. A lot of speculation that they're not sure what's going to happen. And a lot of it's going to depend on what happens, I think, with this Senate bill uh, and that Congress bill. But in the end, real estate is booming right now. It's leading the economy. It's the one industry that's booming and we're technically living under the last administration's budget because none of their stuff has taken effect except for the executive orders. So we're still under the last administration economy, which was pretty good. So we'll see yeah, what happens. Yeah, they were doing well. But I'm Very optimistic. Well. I'm optimistic. And mortgage foreclosures are way down. Uh, renters, are, it, it's down to like 12% that we're behind. So basically, we're in good shape. So tell us about the rates. Well, that's one of the good things, Mark. The rates are still phenomenal. So on a conventional 30-year fixed, we're at 2.875. Your 15-year is anywhere from 2.5 to 2.625. Your FHA is 2.75. And not even talking about the arms today because no one should be getting an arm. There's, there's no use to do an arm at all. <laughs> So the rates are great. So with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive, all the time. We'll be right back. On behalf of the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, we hope you're enjoying Good News in Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland. The Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more after the break and this message from Debt Free Living. Learn more at wehatedebt.com. All right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive all the time. Where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we're up to our funny story. All right, so this elderly couple, Walter and his wife, Ethel, they lived in a neighborhood where there was always a state fair. And every year they'd love to go to the state fair. And uh, Walter would tell Ethel, you know, you know that I want to go for a ride in that helicopter. 
but Ethel would always reply, you know, Walter, that helicopter ride is $50, and $50 is $50. So this just went on for year after year after year. Finally, they go to the fair, and Walter says to Ethel, Ethel, I'm 87 years old. If I don't ride that helicopter this, helicopter this year, I, I might never get another chance. So once again, Ethel replied, Walter, you know that helicopter ride is $50, and $50 is $50. This time, the helicopter pilot overheard the couple. He goes, listen, folks, I'll make you a deal. I'll take you both for a ride if you can both stay quiet for the entire ride and not say a word. I won't charge you. But if you just say one word, it's $50. So Walter looks at Ethel and they both agree. They get in the helicopter. This helicopter ride, he takes them for a really ride. All the fancy moves, tricks. They didn't say anything. They're, he's still death defying tricks over and over again. There still wasn't so much as one word. When they finally landed, the pilot turned to Walter and said, Wow. He goes, I got to hand it to you. I did everything I could do to get you to scream or shout, but you didn't. I'm really impressed. Walter said, well, to be honest, I almost said something, but when Ethel fell out, you know, $50 is $50. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mark. <laughs> if you have a funny story you'd like to hear on our show, send it to 8029 at Comcast.net or give us a call at 267 266 5501. So now it is time for the Mortgage Mom segment with the Ann Katsaris. And her topic today from Green Tree Mortgage is finally some good news from FHA. <laughs> I like the way you say that. So FHA stands for the Federal Housing Administration. And generally there's two, there's a couple different types of loans, but you have your conventional loan, your FHA loan your USDA loan, and your veterans loan, which is through the VA. All of these loans have different guidelines, of course. But one of the things that they just came out with um, was that when, when somebody has a student loan and they're going through the process of getting pre-approved and that student loan is in forbearance and there's no payment, as a loan officer, as an underwriter, they have to charge the borrower 1% of whatever that amount is. So for instance, let's just say it's $50,000. Somebody has a debt. It's a student loan. It's $50,000 and there's no payment listed on the credit report. Mark, we have to get, we have to charge that borrower part of their DTI, which is their debt to income ratio. We have to charge them $500. That's 1% of $50,000. Right. FHA just came out. They changed it back to now it's only a half a percent. So that oh. same buyer that was getting charged $500 is now only getting charged $250. Oh, they're so kind, FHA. Mark, that makes a big difference, that $500 payment going down to 250 So again, that's taking the 1% student loan and going to a half a percent. That's the difference of a $200,000 loan versus a $225,000 loan. And with that being said, your conventional loan is still requiring 1% unless we can get to what's called loan prospect. And that just means our borrower has a higher credit score, has more assets. And if it runs through that engine, that software engine for underwriting, then we can still charge the borrower half a percent. Does that make sense? A little bit. <laughs> So it is good news from FHA 
because they're low. It's we're able to lower the debt to income ratio on our FHA buyers, which makes them qualify for more. Yeah, FHA. They just like how often do they meet? I don't know how often they meet, but I know that they've been meeting regularly now because they are trying to implement a couple more changes. We just had first-time homebuyer programs. Um, they've increased the, the income limits on some of the programs. So there's a lot of changes that are coming out, which is great because there's a lot of people that have FHA loans that aren't able to get them accepted. Uh, the good news is I think the market is absolutely opening up um, out of all the people that we had pre-approved. We got, I'm going to say, 10-plus contracts this week, and half of them were FHA borrowers. Good. So how many it people, is, how many total pre-approved people do you have now? Right now we have 143 people pre-approved. Wow, it's even higher. Last time it was 127. Yeah, I mean it, it keeps increasing, thank God. Um, the good news is we're now going to go back to those FHA buyers. We're going to put in that half a percent and see how it changes their debt to income ratio and maybe they can even go a little bit higher. Right. So it's good news. I mean, like I said, I really think that the market is opening up and people are going to be able to get in their homes by the time the summer's end. Very good. If you have any questions on those segments, you can just reach out at 609-605-7153. All right. Very good. So with that, you're listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, all positive, all the time. We'll be right back. Deanne and Mark are halfway through this week's edition of Good News in Real Estate, presented by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. When the show returns, more real estate news from around the Delaware Valley. All right, right, welcome back to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, all positive, all the time. So we had Ms. Katsaris. Mr. Cumberland, we are up to our question and answer segment. So what's the first one? The first question is, what is the storm water tax on my water bill in Philly, and what is it for? Oh, man, You're going to love this one. one of my pet peeves. <laughs> I actually posted something on Facebook this week about, about this tax, and I went to the water department and posted some of the stuff that they're actually putting out there and why everybody's paying this. And I run into so many people that don't even know they're paying this tax. And they just raised it in Philadelphia, and a bunch of the counties are starting this stuff too. Uh, a stormwater tax—it's for the rain. It's the rain and the water going down the drain. And what they do is they're charging every homeowner in Philadelphia, like six over six hundred thousand of them. They just raised it from fourteen dollars to fifteen something a month. For the rain. That's insane. And and it's been going on since, I think, 2000... When did this take effect? Like 2010? So, now, on a residential property, it's $15. Now, on your water bill, you're going to have your service for your water and your sewer service, a service charge of like $13, $14. Then you're going to have your stormwater tax, $15. And then there's some a new one they just stuck in there, some kind of like uh, 
Global Warming Tax. Oh, my God. It's got a weird name. It's for a few bucks. And then how much water do you actually used? Like at my one school, my storm water tax is $45 a month. A month? Now, this a month. So my service is like $13. Storm water is like 45 Then this global warming thing is like 3 or 4 bucks. And I actually use $2 worth of water. Because all they use is the bathroom to wash their hands. And so I got to end up with a water bill. And then if I pay the convenience fee online, because I'm a business, it's $15 That's rather than them open an envelope. So I could end up with a 70 some dollar water bill if I pay it online monthly. Insane. For $2 worth of water. Now, I posted some, and I think they ought to get rid of this. They did this tax in Delaware, and it hurt business so bad, they rescinded it. Mm. But every homeowner in Philadelphia should take a look at your water bill and call up your state rep because the states, the state house and the state senate passed this and allowed Philly to do this. So this could be rescinded by a state rep or a state senator introduced a bill. But it's a bad tax. I predict, I worked in city council and did the budget. I think they're collecting around $30 million a month. Because if you have a parking lot, it's by the square footage. So the bank across the street from my school on Frankfurt Avenue, they pay almost a thousand a month in stormwater tax because they have a parking lot Does Burger and a King? large roof. Oh, they, they're probably a, a, like a grand. Easy. <laughs> but it's a killer tax. Call somebody up and start complaining. That'll right. save everybody in the city for $15 a month. All right, Mark. I knew that was going to be a rant, so let's yeah, go on question number definitely two. Definitely going to be a rant. This is going to be a rant, too. Is there right. going to be a lot of foreclosures coming due to the COVID virus? The answer is no. All when they were the doom and gloomers that were out there talking about all these people that were behind, we talked about it a few months ago. It, and the ones that were behind were about one or two payments behind, and almost all of them caught up. And actually, the national foreclosure rate right now is at 1.9%. And an average foreclosure rate in the country historically is 3 to 4%. In the worst market in history, 2008, the foreclosure rate was 5.1%, not 50%. Right. So the answer is no. <laughs> All right. Next question. Is it harder to refinance a commercial property? That's a good one because, you know, just because it's commercial... Uh, you know, if you buy something commercial, they usually want 25, 30% down. So in a refi, you would think, you know, just because it's a business, they wacky a little bit. Now, I'm doing with, with our biggest sponsor, the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union, which everybody in Philadelphia should join. And and that's a, the difference between a credit union and a bank is uh, they have a loan review committee and a board. So they can do things outside of the box sometimes that a bank is just going to say no to. Right. So if your commercial loans with Philly Fed, you're going to have a lot less fees. But usually it's not harder, but they might charge you a point or two, a regular bank. Now, a credit union might not. So, but a, but if you're refining a million dollars, a point or two is a point to 100 grand. Sure. So that, It's 1% you know, of the loan amount. It's 1% of the loan amount. But the rest of it is you need a commercial appraisal, which could be 1500 two grand, 
three grand according to what the property is so but if you're at six and a half percent and you want to get you can get commercial rate right now at four yeah. so you if you go from six to four you're going to save a lot of money so it uh and a lot of them do it because on commercial loans sometimes they have a balloon coming due so they need to refi and get down to the rates and take advantage of the rates just like everybody should call you that's over three and a half percent in philly and refine including frank <laughs> what's the next one all right the next question is what is the hottest neighborhood to buy in philadelphia kensington unbelievable i grew up in kensington man i'm a kensington boy play, played soccer at Layhouse. went to frankfurt Eye. I never thought I would see houses going for six hundred and twenty thousand on Lehigh <laughs> <No>. Avenue. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, Lehigh Avenue used to be hookers and junkies, and now it's six hundred and twenty thousand dollar townhouses. It's unbelievable. With your, your boutique coffee shop. I know somebody that just built a condo at Jasper in Ontario, and that would, that's like a block off the Ave. Uh, used to be like Hooker Row, <laughs> and now, now you're buying a four hundred thousand dollar condo. It's crazy, <laughs> but it's the hottest neighborhood in Philly. And What's you're going to do one? a song about it. I already have one. It's called Sleazy Street. <laughs> okay. All right. Last question: Why am I getting so many postcards and flyers about selling my house? Uh, I was talking to somebody the other day, and that's why I put this question in there. She goes, "I get postcards almost." every day and flyers under my doors or in my mailbox do you want to sell your house i said has any agents call you she goes no that's the difference <laughs> so like they'll do what we talk about yeah they'll do all this they'll send posts but would they call her never no so here i am blasting the agents again challenging them if they call 10 people a day we'd have a ton more listings but no They'll send them a postcard and cross their fingers. <laughs> and hope you know, they why, don't why have you any just questions. Take that, take that money that you're spending on postcards, go down Atlantic City and put it on black. <laughs> <laughs> well, the lenders are paying for the postcards. Just sold, yeah. just listed. Oh, oh so you're uh, funding this uh, <laughs> endeavor? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> so coming up next is our topic of the day. Three real estate myths you need to stop believing. That's right. Uh, so with that, you're listening to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All positive all the time. We'll be right back. Good News and Real Estate with Deanne Katsaris and Mark Cumberland is proudly being provided by the Philadelphia Federal Credit Union. Not here for our profit, here for yours. Deanne and Mark will have more in a moment, but first, a message from one of our home team partners, Green Tree Mortgage. How much do you qualify for? Ask Deanne now at MortgageMom.net. All right, welcome back to Good News and Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, all positive all the time. So where are we at, Deanne? Mark, we are up to our topic of the day. Three real estate myths you need to stop believing. Believing. Yep. So let me tell you about these three myths. So as the real estate market significantly rebounds, and it is, some buyers and sellers are dipping in into their toes into the water for the first time. Inevitably, they come into a market with assumptions about how it works. Because, you know, people have jobs, they're busy, they got kids, and they might make big salaries 
but they don't really know anything about real estate. They didn't go to real estate school or, or really took any real estate courses. It's just all hearsay or what they've heard along with their life, what they learned from their co-workers, Uncle Harry, or maybe some past buying or selling experience or something like that that they is a, a blur to them. And the new buyers, their assumptions are based on outdated, generalized real estate myths. And there's three such myths that many less seasoned home buyers and sellers assume are, tr are true. The first one is spring is the best time to sell a home. We talked about this a little bit last week as seasons. Historically, real estate seasons were tied to the summer and the end of the school year. Families were typical buyers or sellers and they want to move during the summer so the kids could start anew in September in a new school. And that's how spring became the prime selling season. It's true there are still some homes for sale in spring, which means there's a lot of activity and buzz. But spring isn't necessarily the best time to buy or sell a home anymore. In fact, it's we talked last week, there's almost no seasons anymore. But these myths are out there. The reality, the best time to sell is during the holidays or right after. Today, more than half of the buyers aren't married and their decisions aren't based on upon school schedules so spring isn't as relevant as it used to be instead the best time to sell a home now is in november december and january it's a supply and demand issue most sellers assume buyers aren't seriously looking due to prolonged holidays and yet many buyers are looking at properties in person online right up until christmas eve if the right home goes on the market mid-december a serious buyer and they're serious buyers during this time of the year. We'll take note. And after New Year's, most buyers jump back into the routine and resolve, get into the real, smart, real estate market, even though many sellers wouldn't even consider listing in January. The net effect, savvy sellers face less competition for a strong pool of buyers during this period. And that makes November and January a great time to sell. Myth number two, Always start with your lowest offer. Now, this one's a killer, especially over the last few years. There's a generalization strategy for making an offer. And I always, when I always teach you agents, I always teach them about this with negotiation. You know, most buyers and sellers only negotiate a few times in their life. Maybe on a car, maybe on a house, maybe on a, uh, an appliance deal. And that's it. They're not like business agents or realtors that are doing negotiations for a living. So some markets may be more competitive than others. Somehow in the back of the buyer's head, it's good old Uncle Bob saying, you know, never ask, never offer full price, you know. <laughs> and that strategy might work if you're uh, trying to buy a used computer on eBay or something, but it's not going to work in real estate, especially now. And now you need a very sharp agent that it could be little things that get you accepted and another reality a low offer may get you nowhere fast if you're coming in listen to uncle harry and you know the house is 200 i'll never offer 200 offer them 190 in this market you're not even in the game it's like it at home they're going to get multiple offers over price you know, your agent tells you, you, may, you should maybe offer 210. And Uncle Harry's like, you never do that. And people listen to Uncle Harry. And, and then they end up not winning. You need, after a few defeats and a few weeks out in this market, they'll start to learn a couple lessons and lose houses that they wanted.
Number three, a cash offer trumps all. Everybody says this. Even realtors screw up and think cash offers are better. There's an assumption that a seller considering two different offers will always go with cash. Offer because there's less risk. There's no home inspection. There's no mortgage. There's none of that. As a result, many buyers who hear they're competing with a cash offer assume they won't get the home. They might not even make a formal offer if they heard there's a cash offer. At the same at the same time, many cash buyers assume that because they're paying cash, that their offer is likely to be accepted. In reality, in the end, that seller's getting a check. If it was from their bank account or from a mortgage company, it doesn't matter. And sometimes, just because somebody offered cash and maybe a few thousand more, the seller, as long as they're not discriminatory, the seller can sell to who they want to sell. And if the seller like hits it off with some family, and even though there's a cash offer with a few thousand more, they're allowed to t- sell to that seller they want, as long as they're not breaking any laws or doing anything unethical. So the reality of it, a savvy seller may be more tempted by a solid financed offer but consider a seller with a home price at three ninety nine. dollars The seller receives two offers, one for cash for $375, and the other offer is for $399 with 25% down. And a bank approved uh, uh, approval from Deanne with all the contingencies all set up. A good buyer's agent upon learning the competing with cash offer, which one is the best deal for their seller? They're going to take the one with the mortgage. So those myths are out there, just like the 20% down myth is out there. So the best thing to do if you're a brand new buyer or a brand new seller or even a past buyer and seller that all you remember from this deal was it was kind of stressful and then we got to the settlement table and got the keys, most of the time you got to re-educate them again because it's been so long since they did this. So... Make sure you have a good agent. Don't make assumptions based on what you think you know. Real estate's local. Every market's different with its own customs. If you believe there's a general rule for real estate strategy that applies everywhere, you'll likely be fooled. So not only in April, but every month of the year. So, And we talked last week about this market. It's 12 months around the year there's no more you know I, I mentioned last week's show about how the old time realtors after Halloween kind of took a break to New Year that stuff's over an old realtor you know older ones like you take off <laughs> after April you know them young Turks are selling houses from Halloween right through New Year's <laughs> Like and I slipped that one in and I didn't get any response. That's a good one. <laughs> but anyway. That was right, a great so. topic, Mark. All right, Mark. So we are up to our segment with Dr. A. And we're going to continue with re-engaging back into the workforce. All right. Very good. So, Dr. A, how are you? Marvelous. I'm doing marvelous. How are you guys doing in Philadelphia? 
Very good, Dr. Abelson. So we're continuing with this re-engaging, which was a very good segment last week. Uh, so pick it up from where we left off, and I think you were going to talk about uh, leadership with uh, re-engaging this week, correct? Well, I would, I'd, I'd really like to talk about some tools to use to re-engage your staff because, right. um, it, you know, it's one thing. Every, everybody now is talking about re-engagement and everybody's saying, well, we need to re-engage. But we actually have some tools that help organizations actually do that, uh, which makes it a lot easier and they're very, very economical. So we, we have a particular tool that what it does is it identifies what motivates people. And if you want to re-engage people, one way to do it is to... Um, tell them you're going to give them more money, but that's the worst way to try and re-engage because research has actually right. demonstrated that after around three months, no matter how much of a raise you give them or how much more money you give them, uh, they're back to thinking that they deserve even more. So the best thing to really do is to come up with what motivates them other than money. And there's a lot of things that, that motivate other than money. Mark, we've talked about this before. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Because, I mean, some people just like to be in charge of things. Well, have them be in charge of things. Give them a task. And if they're, they're good leaders or if you want to test out their leadership skills, have them be working with a couple other people on a new assignment or a new task or something old that you're trying to, to, to revitalize. Right? And some yeah, you people- like you leverage, you leverage something and get out of the way and these people like take off. Absolutely, and, and, and you'll be surprised how well they do. Sometimes it's even scary for leaders that their subordinates do so well, which, which, is, which is another issue. But that's what you want them to do. I'm a firm believer in what goes around comes around. So if you spend a lot of time supporting your staff, then yes, they're going to take credit, which is good. They need to take credit if they deserve that credit. But they're also going to give you the credit because you were the leader that gave them that opportunity. You're the one who's guiding them. You're the one who's mentoring them or helping them get get rid of barriers that are in their way, right? So, so right. give them that responsibility. And another aspect is some people just like a lot of structure. They like micromanagement. They like to be micromanaged. Right. Well, if that's the case, yes. you, you, and you don't like to micromanage if you're the leader, then you don't have to be the one who's micromanaging. Assign them to somebody else who wants right. to be in control of other people. And, and it'll work marvelously because one wants to lead and wants to set the constraints and come up with the guidelines. The other one wants to have guidelines to follow and will do an exceptional job as long as you give them a framework from which to work within. So there's yeah, and some people like to be in, 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 an, in an accountable situation. I actually heard, I was listening to another station, uh, uh, one of our stations, no, it, it was on our station, but they were doing talking about a Pew study that's out about women re-engaging into the market because a lot of them gave up their jobs to take care of the kids. And plus, working for a home, they had more distractions than men because they were running the household plus being at home. And, and this is really affecting women more than men. Well, I mean, that, that may, I haven't seen the Pew study that talks about that, but um, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me because there's pressure. If you, have, if you have two or three or four kids and they were home and out of school, somebody's got to be watching them or, or there's going to be more problems created. Uh, so, uh, and if you don't have the resources to hire somebody, then it makes sense that one of the parents, and fortunately or unfortunately in our society, that typically falls to the, to, to the woman. Um, so, for, so for sure. Um, and, 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 
what I'm talking about, it doesn't matter what your gender is, it doesn't matter what your background is, because what we do with our assessments is we actually identify what it is that motivates you. Okay, and then all you have to do is give that to them. And we have we have one set of assessments that looks at just six different things. And so it's easy to identify which thing is really important to them. We have another one that looks at 12. Uh, But out of those six and out of those 12, there's only one of them that has anything to do with money, which is much more motivational. They can get paid somewhere else, but they can't get the attention. They can't get they can't get the support. Okay, for most organizations. So if that's what you're doing, then they're going to be more engaged. They're going to be more likely to stay with you a longer period of time. uh, And it's going to be a much more positive situation. All right, let's continue with from there, because a point I want to bring up is uh, about that. how people like responsibility more than money sometimes and and also how s's and c's don't they'd rather not go look for a new job if they're happy right because they don't like change they like stability right all right so tell everybody how to get a hold of you and we'll bring that up next week it's real easy just go to abelson.net a-b-e-l-s-o-n.net or just email me at abelson at abelson.net sounds good good. thank you dr a that was a good segment thank you all right, Dr. Abelson. Very good. If you have any questions, you can email them to Mark at 8029 at Comcast.net or give him a call at 267-266-5501. You can also email me at Deanne Katsaris at Comcast.net or give me a call at 609-605-7153. And a special thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in and our sponsors for keeping us on the air all these years. Here at Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, and we hope to make you a faithful listener. We'll keep you informed, do our best, and you can listen to this show every Saturday at 1 o'clock here on 1210. With that, have a great week. I'm Mark Cumberland. I'm Deanne Katsaris, your mortgage mom. You've been listening to Good News in Real Estate here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. All All positive, positive, all all the the time. Thanks for listening to Good News in Real Estate, a Jacob Media production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Kraus at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.